Welcome to your digital reputation. Here's your host, Roger Christie. Welcome to another practical follow-up episode for the Your Digital Reputation podcast, where we take a key idea from our guests on the show and share practical advice to help you get clear, confident, and competent online. My name is Roger Christie, host of the Your Digital Reputation podcast, founder at Propel, an advisor to leaders looking to use LinkedIn as a strategic business tool. Thanks for joining me again. This week's episode is a little bit different. For those who know me and Propel well, you'll know that we recently launched our 2023 Digital Reputation Report, which is a major piece of research looking into the ways senior leaders use LinkedIn. Last year, we analyzed 200 CEOs from our largest listed organizations, while this year we focused on our most senior public servants. You can download a copy of the report on our website or drop me a note if you're interested in all the data. But my focus on the report meant that we didn't have our usual practical pod two weeks ago, so this is a sort of special double-up episode brought to you by two very capable and accomplished figures in the world of leaders and LinkedIn, and both hailing from the UK. Yes, there was a clear, common and crucial thread that linked our two most recent guests on the Your Digital Reputation podcast, well beyond their shared location in the UK. Charlotte Lander, Director of Social Media and former global LinkedIn lead at Standard Chartered Bank, was my guest a few weeks back discussing all things online employee advocacy. And then more recently, Sarah Walker-Smith, CEO at AMPA, the UK's leading group of legal and professional services companies, and its largest law firm, Shakespeare Martineau, joined me to talk about why CEOs simply must have social in their toolkit. The common thread? Leaders are the most essential ingredient for any organization's success on social media. Now, whether that's the more obvious aspect of using their own LinkedIn presence to reach and influence or understand key stakeholders, as Sarah shared, or perhaps it's less overt, but in fact, more powerful aspect of leaders sharing the tone and setting the tone for their teams by showing up and amplifying good corporate culture, as Charlotte explained, whether for themselves and their own reputation or their leadership peers and wider teams or their broader stakeholder groups and their connection to the organization. Leaders set the tone online and leaders are the catalyst for a whole host of reputational benefits. They need to step up. So that's what this episode is all about. I've taken five quotes on five key themes from my conversations with Sarah and Charlotte, and we'll explore each of them further with you today while also providing practical tips on what you or your leaders can do to capitalize. Because until leaders are active, engaged and leading from the front, your organization will continue to sit on the social media fringes with the connection, credibility and commercial benefits you're after just out of reach. So let's dive in. Theme number one, visibility. I had to get very visible very quickly and social media was such an obvious way of doing it. And what I found again very quickly was that I could talk to both an internal and external audience at the same time. And I suddenly blurred that boundary. So I was using social media, particularly LinkedIn, a bit of Twitter, but particularly LinkedIn at that point to really keep connected with both my internal and external networks. Sarah's talking about one of the more common use cases for leaders here, visibility but it extends much further or deeper than just being seen. Leaders in their comms teams have always sought the most effective and efficient ways to reach, influence, and understand their key audiences. And historically, the best way to do that at scale was via mainstream media, 
But what happens when media doesn't want to tell your story or the story they want to tell isn't your preference or the audience you're trying to reach simply doesn't use mainstream media? All three scenarios are a likely reality for leaders today. And while mainstream media still plays a role to have greater control over your narrative and to maintain connection with key audiences, you need to use the best channels for the job. And in many cases today, that direct line is social media. And as Sarah describes in our conversation, it's not just about reaching internal or external audiences, it's both. Internal staff take greater notice when internal messages are shared externally. And external audiences, like candidates, for example, they see the positive influence of corporate culture in those same messages, even if they weren't the intended or primary audience. It's essentially two for the price of one for leaders, with free and potentially unlimited amplification on those messages online. Social media's power isn't limited to the people leaders need to reach. It is searchable and accessible to anyone, anywhere, at any time. The asynchronous nature of platforms like LinkedIn means any message can deliver multiple benefits to multiple audiences on multiple occasions. Sarah even shares a story in our chat about how a tweet she'd written several years ago ultimately became the catalyst for her appointment to a Davos-style movement called Anthropy. So if visibility is a need for you right now, what can you do? Firstly, audit your current LinkedIn presence. How do you appear to your key audiences right now? And do you have the right, most important people in your network? There's no point going to the effort of posting messages the wrong people, or worse, no one sees. By auditing and tidying up your profile, you're giving yourself the very best chance to influence digital first impressions. With your LinkedIn profile often being the first search result on Google, don't waste the opportunity to make that first impression a positive one. Now, I've just done about 40 of these audits for leaders over the past month, so if you need a hand, please drop me a note. And the second consideration here, an important part of that audit and refinement process is defining your purpose. Yes, it's without a doubt the most used term on this podcast, but if you're yet to do your purpose pyramid, you're only limiting your impact. Download our free template today and make time to set yourself up for success. But as I said, visibility extends deeper than just being seen, as Charlotte Lander explains in our next point. Theme number two, participation. Over half of our management team are active on LinkedIn as a social platform. We have our CEO named as a top voice by LinkedIn. And recently, two of our execs were named in the FTSE 100 kind of most effective execs using LinkedIn today. So we're building on that senior leader focus and we're scaling across our markets and we're bringing in an advocacy tool next year to help us with that scale. What Charlotte's highlighting here is the benefit of active participation among leaders and its flow-on effects through the organisation. Our recent digital reputation report found that while 65% of the 100-odd senior public servants we analysed had a LinkedIn profile, almost half of those hadn't posted anything original in the past six months. It's like having a phone but never turning it on. And as it happens, the true power of platforms like LinkedIn is that leaders can control their own engagement efforts and harness LinkedIn's algorithm to ensure their messages reach the right people at the right time, even if that's just on a one-to-one basis, if that's what matters. So if you're keen to turn visibility into participation and reap the resulting benefits, what can you do? Well, the simplest thing is intentional engagement. Sarah and Charlotte 
talk to this. Visibility relies heavily on your own engagement efforts and being seen by the right people means doing more than just broadcasting messages. According to the comm schedule, it means investing time up front, identifying your key audiences, and then intentionally engaging with them to tell the LinkedIn algorithm who matters to you and who you want seeing your content. And if you're wondering what the benefits are of this intentional engagement and how it can help you and your organization, that's where Sarah's next point comes in. Theme number three, talent. The people who join our business know what they're joining and tend to want to be part of this. And we have seen a big change in not only recruitment, but retention, actually. So so I think it's been incredibly relevant to our people that they know what we stand for and they know what I stand for. We've seen a step change in our recruitment and retention. Sarah's talking about the amazing talent benefits her own LinkedIn efforts have generated for the firm. Why do leaders' efforts matter here? And why can't you just leave the brand or company page to do the work for you? Because the reality is that only 3% of the content a LinkedIn user sees in their feed is company page content. 3%. It just doesn't cut through. That data from leading LinkedIn algorithm expert Richard Vanderblom reinforces the importance of the human faces, voices, and values leaders simply must tap into on LinkedIn. It's a point that screamed out at us from the data in our recent digital reputation report too. Purely human stories were nine times more effective at generating public engagement than purely work stories. Nine times. So when you consider those two statistics side by side, the 3% and the nine-time multiplier, it's clear to see why leaders must lead from the front on LinkedIn. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Your Digital Reputation podcast. Now, whether this is your very first episode or you're a fully-fledged subscriber, I want to share an exclusive invitation with you. I want to invite you to join the one program that will help you take greater control of your digital reputation and help you kick some real goals on LinkedIn. It's our Your Digital Reputation LinkedIn for Leaders program, a one-month program built off the back of hundreds of conversations with leaders and 30,000-odd hours advising them on LinkedIn. By joining the program, you'll get access to a range of planning frameworks, best practice guidelines, and one-on-one coaching with me, Roger Christie, to help you avoid common LinkedIn mistakes and get real value for your efforts. All that value in just one month to ensure you're set up for success well into the future. So, what are you waiting for? If you're looking for a LinkedIn for Leaders program, feel free to hit pause on this episode right now and drop me an email at rchristie at propelgroup.com.au or go to www.propelgroup.com.au slash YDR for more details. I'd love to help you amplify your impact and show you just how powerful a business tool LinkedIn can be. All right, back to this episode. So what can you do on LinkedIn to attract and retain the right talent? Well, number one, get really clear on the values, behaviors, and company culture you want to share online. You likely have plenty of industry competitors out there who do similar work to you, but what separates you and your organization from the pack? Why are you different? And importantly, what stories and examples bring that point of difference to life? And a tip here, these won't all be your stories, obviously. The views and voices of your staff matter too. So for the purposes of talent attraction and retention, it's vital that you have many more than just the one leader voice on LinkedIn. 
review your social media policy and education processes for staff? Are you empowering them to follow suit online and share the everyday stories that will resonate with their networks and candidates? Because unearthing this army of authentic voices is the difference between having a visible leader and a talent magnet machine online. And that leads neatly into our next theme from Charlotte. Theme number four, permission. It not only gives them confidence, but it gives them permission. You need your senior leaders to understand the value of that. That's one thing. But to be actively sort of walking the talk themselves, that is huge. And if staff see that, not just at a C-suite level, you know, mid-tier management level, it gives them the permission to do this as part of their, you know, day-to-day jobs. I touched on this in the last thing when I said it's vital that you have many more than just a one leader voice on LinkedIn because every workplace is diverse and every organization's stakeholders are diverse. Your customers, your candidates, they need to see themselves in the voices and stories of your people in order to fully engage. Representation matters and therefore permission is key. Charlotte used another great turn of phrase in our conversation where she said, you must empower your colleagues, not use them as part of the program. They're not another marketing mouthpiece. This is all about permission, not coercion. And as Charlotte listed, when leaders grant that permission through their own actions, here are some of the benefits the organization at large stands to access. Number one, organizations with advocacy programs enjoy 79% more visibility, a 65% increase in brand recall, and a 53% increase in brand engagement. And they're 58% more likely to attract talent, according to LinkedIn. Organizations with advocacy programs are 20% more likely to retain top talent too, according to Jobfight. 77% of people say that their purchasing decisions are based on hearing from somebody they trust, according to Status Brew. And finally, organizations get seven times more leads generated from employee networks versus the brand, according to IBM. These are some serious numbers. So if you'd like to benefit in these ways, there are some very practical things you can do. Number one, check your policies. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Your social media policies or guidelines are an important reference point for staff, particularly as leaders can often have slightly different rules applied given their authority. Check that your policies empower and give permission to teams versus discouraging them. And number two, a final thing here. Don't just set a policy and an example through your own actions online and assume everyone will dive in after you. Engage your comms and people and culture teams to run regular capability building and Q&A sessions around social media use. Build familiarity and confidence with teams. Even consider running pilot programs with smaller groups every other month, showing people it's not just okay, but encouraged to participate online. It makes an enormous difference. And that's quite a compelling argument there from Charlotte, but there is still more organizations can gain when their leaders are visible, active, and empower others online. So our final theme, theme number five, innovation. The more we listen and hear and have an open mind and are willing to change our perspective about things, the more we'll find a different solution for the future. And our job as leaders now, I just see an inverse pyramid where we have to pull that collective knowledge, that collective hope, that collective fear, and respond in a different way to the way we used to. And social media for me is that gateway. It's that that connection. 
This final point from Sarah here relates to one of the core benefits that leaders and their organizations discover when they empower their people to get active online. Innovation. No one person or team has the knowledge and skills required to solve the wicked, complex challenges the world faces today, as Martin Stewart Weeks beautifully frames it. We must look outwards and embrace connection and collaboration to stay ahead. And that's what Sarah is talking to here, tapping into the global knowledge and relationships bank that is social media to find better ways of doing things and challenge the ways of old. It's what Elliot Franks in the Queensland government referenced in a few episodes past when he talked about reaching across the digital aisle to form cross-sector relationships and knowledge sharing that would enrich his own team's expertise. Social media is that gateway, and any organisation missing out on that knowledge base simply won't keep up. But as you've heard through this podcast, it starts with leaders being visible and setting the standard, and it requires staff too to get active. But once you have those foundations in place, you have an incredibly powerful innovation engine that will serve your organization well for many years to come. Social media can be the infrastructure for innovation. So what can you do if that's a priority for you? Well, again, review any social media policies and training to ensure teams are empowered to get active online. But a way to build on that and other foundations you've now set, bake social media training and literacy into your onboarding processes. And I don't mean the standard, you know, thrilled to be joining LinkedIn posts that we all know. Don't get me wrong. Those posts are actually really valuable when done well. But what I mean here is baking capability into the onboarding process. That means staff seeing how you use social media, why, and what it means for them in their role. It means having a community of practice that is less about the technical craft of representing the brand online and and more about how platforms like LinkedIn are an enabler for sales or recruitment product or reputation outcomes, sharing and learning from real life examples across the organization from day one. And if this is the one thing you do after building on your foundations, a new level of innovation will be just around the corner. So there are five invaluable tips and five invaluable outcomes any leader can access by taking a more intentional approach to their LinkedIn or social media efforts. Plenty of wisdom from the very wise Sarah Walker-Smith at Ampa and Charlotte Lander at Standard Chartered. Remember to go back and check out their full episodes, episodes number 37 and 38, to learn from all the wonderful advice, experience, and data they shared. Now, I hope this has given you plenty of food for thought. And as always, please do drop me a note via LinkedIn if you have any questions or need guidance on where to next. But until next time, I'm Roger Christie. Thank you for tuning into the Your Digital Reputation podcast, and I hope this conversation has given you more clarity, confidence, and competence for your own use of LinkedIn. Take care. Thanks again for listening. If you've learned something from today's conversation, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with others. For all show notes, head to propelgroup.com.au. Thanks again for listening.